Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking about tabletop role-playing games and tips and tricks you can use to bring your game at home up to the next level. Our topic for this week is going to be mass combat. And before we get into that, let's run down the roster and meet the crew in the studio today. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for the show. With me is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath and semi-professional DM, and Ed. Oh, yeah. I'm ready for today's episode, baby. Some Boston brawling. Good old bare knuckle. <laughs> no, no. Mass combat meaning combat between huh? large groups large numbers of people massive combat oh uh, oh 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 uh yeah yeah oh okay all right yeah i got it i'm good all right so today we are talking mass combat as i explained to ed large groups battling it out you're going to see a lot of these in these fantasy epics you know, you've got the battle of the five armies from the hobbit you've got the huge effects going off you got fireballs thing you got dragons flying and you've got your pcs right there in the middle of it somewhere and it can be a very daunting task for a dm to run mass combat smoothly effectively have it work into the game and we thought we'd talk today about a little bit on some of the tips and tricks that you can use to do different styles for making it work and also for making it work in without derailing your game without ruining the game you've got going on so let's talk mass combat i'm gonna give ed a little bit of time to get prepared Paired and no, I'm good. All right, so <clears throat> so going in, there's a couple of different ways to run mass combat that we were talking about. Um, and the first, which I think is just a good quick glaze over, is to do the mass combat as almost a background setting. You keep running your game at the same scale, at the same level, but all of the combat, all of the action with all of the rest of these large numbers of people and creatures and whatever happens in the background. It's raging around the players as they try to do their objectives. They interact with it, but they're not seeing the big scope overall. I think that is kind of a quick and dirty cheat for doing mass combat. And we'd like to spend a little bit more time talking about how to actually make it work where you have PCs that are influencing entire armies and you're kind of having that go down. So what would you say for running a mass combat quick and easy? Quick and easy. Um, own D20 Pro. <laughs> it speeds up your combats quite a bit. We've talked about that in the past. Um, I use these twenty pros. I even be able to do it. I don't know. I haven't done mass combat on roll twenty. Yeah, I mean the problem with roll twenty though is you have to kind of like program a lot of your own, you know, like write in your own uh, 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 macros and stuff like that. So uh, had- you can, but you know, it's going to require some programming time. A few months ago, our game group had the climax of the first part of the Shadow of the Tower campaign, which is a campaign I was running, which ended with a mass combat. Yeah. The PCs had rallied the troops and the mercenaries they could to fight the the army that was, or sort of army that was kind of going in. I think it was 170 combatants in total. Yeah. And we actually ran that with D20 Pro. The game session itself ran like six, six and a half hours, just the fight. Right. Um, 
but at no point was was it confusing. We weren't ever like, wait, whose turn is it? Where are we going? How does this work? So it helped. It did help smooth things out and run it a little bit better than it might have if we're trying to do miniatures and paper all the time. Yeah, that definitely helped out. Um, I I was impressed by how well that program helped run um, uh, massive combat. Massive combats can be tricky. I know a lot of GMs are always kind of curious, like, how do you do it? How do you do it right? Some people try to do it and maybe get a little confused by it because it's you You kind of want to go individual by individual. Um, you know, there's that tendency to do that. You know, if you throw your group against some monsters or a couple of, you know, uh, NPC villains with, you know, player levels or something like that, then, you know, you're going to have their stats and their abilities and you're going to, you know, try to go at it like that, like any other combat. Uh, you really can't treat mass combat the same way, and I think D twenty Pro and other other programs that might be out there similar uh, certainly a big step to help you with that because it does a lot of what you need to do, which is have all of the information and be able to make quick attacks, and that's really what you're looking to do in mass combat. Yeah, and I, I think that's huge to be able to to move it along quickly, keep it in pace, keep up the order. Because, yeah, when there's hundreds of options going yeah. on, you need to be able to quickly reference and keep an eye on that. Uh, one of my favorite things to do, um, and I, I, I feel like I can, I can do that even without that program. Maybe probably not as efficiently as it does that. Um, but one of, my, one of my favorite things is just in like the Monsters Manual in the back of the book, it has base NPC stats. You know, monsters have base NPC stats, that sort of thing. So it's it has it right there for you, what they need to hit. So, I mean, I my really one of my biggest tips are if you're having a lot of attackers attack the group, just roll lots of dice and just know the, the number you need to hit the one person. So if they've got a 20 AC and your guy has a plus four to hit, you need to roll 16. So if you've got eight guys firing at him, just roll all eight dice and 16s are better hit him, you know, or something like that. There's also... For tips, I believe the 5th edition DMG has a tip on large combat. It says if your AC is so, if the AC that the monster is attacking is so high and their bonus is this, then, you know, like out of 20, X will hit. Yeah, they, they, you do the math pre um, beforehand, so you're figuring yeah. out the average number of hits. Exactly. That's and then you're using the average damage uh, factors out of the monster manual, so you're not actually rolling the damage. Exactly. So, you know, you have 10 skeletons that all have, like, a plus 3 to hit. You're attacking somebody that has a 13 AC, you know, so on average, you know, X number of skeletons are going to hit, so you yeah, know that... Yeah, of them should hit. Yeah, so, you know, okay, so, like, about 5 should hit. Of those 5 that's going to hit, you know, each one's going to do the, the set, like, 5 damage. Yeah. So, boom, this herd of skeletons is just going to do, you know, 50 damage into this group, however you decide to, you know, split it up. Exactly. So that way you're not doing a whole bunch of rolls. You just have, you know, okay, this group is going to hit, you know, uh, you know, has this modifier, it's going to hit this AC X number of times, and this is the average damage per hit, and you just have numbers written out, and you just go through and assign where those numbers are going to go. Yeah, and I guess backing up a little bit, really the easiest way to do mass combat is the easiest way that works for you. Find out the best way for you to do it and if um using that like pre-generated kind of system like that where you just know well this many should hit in this group it'll do average damage perfect you know so that group does its damage you know um but sometimes you want to have that instance where uh um you're, you are rolling for all of it because you want the the chaos of dice rolling because really that's what it's all about um 
Whether, I mean, whether or not, as a DM, whether or not you roll the dice, ultimately kind of comes down to, do you feel like rolling dice? Yeah. And sometimes rolling a lot of dice is a lot of fun. Yeah. That's exactly. Um, so, yeah, just what do I need to hit this person? Roll, see if you get that on the die. Uh, also, what do they need to hit you? I mean, that's, again, use your... Even if you don't got, go by the guideline in the monster manual, make your own creature or something, just know, what's it say seeing? What do they need to hit it? You know? So that way... And that is your base monster. Your base monster, your troop, should probably be your weakest dude. You know, let your let your players go to town on them, you know? Another reason I like to have a lot of creatures on the board is it really lets mages turn the tide of battle. You know, yeah, okay, you know, you get six, seven bad guys you're fighting. Yeah, a mage can usually pop off, you know, a fireball hit maybe three or four of them, maybe five of them in a good day, right? Massive battle like that, you're hitting a ton of them. So why not just go at it? Just have them explode a few of them. Yeah, we we had a fourth edition game where I played a wizard, and the town was attacked by a swarm of insects, kind of a starship troopers thing. Mm-hmm. And I let off with a fireball, and the DM looked at what happened to his ranks, and he's like, <laughs> I was not expecting that. Whoops. The combat was a lot shorter than was planned just because they're coming in as this massive swarm and I have this area effect spell. Yeah. I hit them with that. I'm like, I got a couple more coming at you. Yeah. It's a great moment for a wizard. Just like, my character feels justified. Right. Um, that also reminded me of a uh, rules where they were talking about in, it was the Star Wars D20 when they're talking about starship battles. Because if you have a player or a character in a ship, it's really easy for them to just get blown up. So what they actually had for a suggestion for these bigger battles is to have them as part of a wing or a squadron. So you would have your character that you're playing and then five or six NPCs and they'd all fall in formation and you kind of treat it like one big creature. Mm-hmm. And as they took damage, the other no-name NPCs, you know, once it gets up to this amount of damage taken, that NPC dies off, and then this one and that one. So that way, it also helps your characters survive through this coming back to, you know, the players are the heroes of the story. You don't want them to die to a lucky shot. So instead, those shots hit the the NPCs that are there to help and support and supporting characters, minor characters, and they die off before your major characters do, you still have the potential if the character gets his squadron in over their head, then you could still wind up losing the character, but it's less likely to happen at random right. and more likely that they're still going to have that carnage of battle to deal with. Yes, yeah, see, I like that too. Like in mass battles, you're going to have big formations and that sort of thing. So, yeah, you certainly want to allow people to target individuals, but you can also make them, I guess, either call it the formation or the horde or something like that. So, you know, they all have the same stats or all the same thing. You just determine how many individuals are they are and how many hit points they have and say, okay, well, this horde has this many hit points. So maybe you're, it's a, you know, it's a standard guard. I think has like five hit points and like a 16 or 18 AC or something like that. So they're, you know, low level dudes in armor, right? Yeah, but there's a hundred of them. So the horde has 500 hit points. Well, every time, every five that's done, they lose an attack, you know? Yep. And and so instead of actually counting down, okay, so this guy has this many hit points, this guy has many hit points, don't worry about each individual's hit points. Worry about how much total damage they've taken 
and just you use that as sort of the, the guideline. So if you have that, if you have that horde that has 500 hit points and someone, you know, you've done, you know, say 37, well, you've only really done 35 at that point. So you've, you've taken away seven of those deals. So there's seven less, I guess, attacks to worry about. Which could wind up being, okay, they deal seven less damage when they attack. Yeah. Uh, the fifth edition monster manual, if you look under the animal section, they have the swarms, like swarms of rats, swarms of snakes, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it actually has rules where as the hit points decrease, the amount of damage they deal decreases because there are creatures from the swarm being destroyed. Yeah. So that, I think, can also give DMs a chance to throw some of those monsters into the game to get a taste of how mass combat could work, but you're still working on a small scale. You know, two right. or three swarms against a party of five adventurers. Yeah, swarm swarm isn't bad. I would I would keep in mind though, uh, still allow individuals to be targeted. In a mass combat situation, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because you know something targets individual, then you know a, a swarm eh, might not work against it. So allow them to yeah. use the swarm rules, I guess. But also remember that they are people in a formation. Yeah. So things that should work on an individual should maybe also work on the swarm. And I think that the individual targeting is also important because if you have thirty imperial guard soldiers and one guy in brightly colored armor with feathers and metals and all that your sniper is going to say well i want to see if i can put an arrow through that guy's eye and maybe everybody will run and route right and i think opportunities like that should be offered up in mass combat because it's good to give the players a chance to go yeah like one shot and i i turned the tide of the battle yeah similar to the to giving the wizards those formations to knock up Yeah, I uh, kind of, you know, if you're not using a program like D20 Pro, I think a good way to speed things up is to basically isolate the different, you know, formations or, or squads or whatever of the, the army into, you know, kind of treat them as an individual, like Ed was saying. Okay. You know, this figure is 25 troops. Or, yeah, or even, I mean, even if you want to physically have the 25 troops, but like this, you know, 25 troop is, you know, this X swarm. Yes, technically, you know, anything that targets an individual can still technically be used, you know, for like spell purposes and targeting. But for all intents and purposes, this one unit is you know, X swarm with X number of hit points and X number of attacks. And as it takes more hit points, it loses attacks. You know, you can start pulling figures out of it or however you want to do it. But, but basically the big thing is, especially for expediting speed is that all works on one initiative. You know, this, this, you know, you know, this, you know, like I'm not so concerned about treating it as one creature as I'm treating it, you know, treating it as one initiative. However many, however you want to do the hit points, fine. However you want to do the attacks, fine. But it's one initiative. You know, this squad goes on initiative 13. This squad goes on initiative 14. This squad goes on initiative 15. Boom, boom, boom. You know, and, and keep them all like together. Like say you have, say it's a, a hobgoblin and a goblin army along with some bugbear units or whatever, you know, some elite troops, you know. You got your bugbears, maybe they're all, you know, you have five bugbears and you want to treat them all individually because they're very specialized and have some character levels on them. Sure, fine, great. But, you know, this goblin squadron and this goblin squadron, boom, you know, that one goes on 13, that one goes on 14, or maybe they all go on 13. Right. However you want to do it, just it's to just kind goblins. of, you know, yeah, just, you know, move things along, keep them quick, whatever you want to use. I mean, it's all personal preference, you know, in the bigger the combat, the more likely I'm going to start pushing more and more towards the, um, the fifth edition thing that Ed and I talked about earlier of like, 
using averages. Okay, well, on average, this you know number, you know, okay, if there's 30 goblin archers in this unit. On average, five of them will hit, and those five are going to do like six damage each. And then maybe I'll just roll a die for who's taking what, you know, like how, who's taking the damage if they're shooting at the party, you know what I mean? Okay, you got hit with two arrows, you got hit with an arrow, you got hit with an arrow, and you got hit with two arrows. Okay, sorry, boom, there it is, moving on. For each arrow, take three points of damage. Exactly. Um, you know, just, just boom, 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 be quick about it. And then you got an even bigger battle if you have mass combat on the enemy side and, you know, an army on your side. Oh, yeah. Then, you know, you got an even bigger, longer battle on your hands. And that point where I would, I mean, it, again, it all depends on the story and how you're doing it. But, I mean, I might want, I mean, I would split the NPCs on the good side up amongst the party. So that way you're not doing all the work of the of two whole armies while the party's just sitting there and only controlling their one dude like okay you're the dwarven warrior you're going to control these you know um spearmen over here you're the wizard you're going to control these other you know like like low level casters over here you know this little squadron over here you're the archer ranger you're going to control like you know the art you know the 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 bowmen over here you know what i mean like and allow them to do more so that way they're not just sitting around even longer while you're controlling more npcs because the more npcs on the board the more you're doing and the less the players are doing so you know spreading out some of the, the npcs that are on the pc side you know that gives them more to do they feel more involved or they're not sitting around for an hour and a half between turns that was that was one of the good feedback that i got from you guys when i ran that campaign yeah. was all the NPCs that you had rallied to fight by your side. When we went into the combat, I kind of surprised them with this. I'm like, you guys have full control over all the NPCs that are working with you. Because it's assumed that the players are barking orders, and we've already talked about the battle plan ahead of time. We're right. going to do this. Um, so giving them more to do, you know, there's 170 characters on the field, and now instead of the party controlling five of them, they've got 40-something. I mean, if you want to have them work by the same rules of like, okay, these spearmen are going to hit on an average, you know, hit an average of three times and they're going to do X damage. That's fine. You know, to keep things moving along quickly instead of going, well, I want to move this spearman here and this spearman over here. No, 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 no. They're a unit. They're going to hit on average, you know, X. They're going to do Y for damage. If that, again, that's, you know, GM discretion. That's an option that'll keep things moving along quickly. But still, you know, it gives them the opportunity of moving and, and choosing their target and being more involved in the combat yeah, and lets the player decide okay my, my spearman i'm playing the, the dwarf he's the head of the spearman he's broken the ranks of the goblin formation they're breaking and running now do i turn and flank the hobgoblins or do i have my guys chase down the goblins right. um, which may have your character come into play mm -hmm. what would your character do because if he's in command and he tells them okay let's go get those guys even though they're not a threat and they're running away you may have your, your NPC soldiers go, yeah, let's do it, and not realize that this may not be the best tactical choice, but they're following the commands of the PC. Um, yeah, uh, you certainly you'd want to make good tactical choices uh, when you're doing this. You could always surprise your players with something here or there. Or you could be surprised as a player. Um, but um, definitely dividing up the P uh, NPCs on your side uh, is a good trick. It lets the players be more involved. I like that. Um, now, now, so beyond that, so that's sort of how to do the mass battle. Other ideas that I've seen for mass battles and how to sort of organize them, but not necessarily run massive, a massive battle, have that 
again, it's the background, but you're still affecting it, uh, is strategic positions. And also something that I believe that I first saw it in 3.5, D&D version 3.5 was hero points. So, okay, so you decide, well, I have these two armies, okay? And uh, evil guy army, their guys are a little bit bigger and tougher, and there's more of them. Uh, bad, uh, good guy army is, you know, fairly standard. They're a little outnumbered. So for good guy army to be bad guy army, they need to collect so many hero points. But bad guy army has a number of heroes. There's maybe strategic positions, like there's a cliff face or a, a bridge. Maybe they have a catapult somewhere. They have siege weapons. So you have, in, you know, sure, there's one or two points where you throw, you know, 12, 15 dudes at your player characters to help them in that initial massive surge. But then after that, they go secure the bridge. That wins them, you know, three, four victory points. And then they go, you know... Sabotage uh, the catapults. They go sabotage the catapults, another three, four victory points. They take out one of the leaders, another five, six victory points. And by the end of it, you, uh, you the idea is that you kind of roll for both sides and then um, you add the victory points to the total... You know, and that way you can determine like who wins the end of the combat. So that way the players are going around and probably succeeding, doing their thing. But then if they're if they're successful at um, if they take the catapults down, if they secure the bridge, if they take down a leader here or there, the big monster that's you know mauling into people, then then they've done this huge thing that you know puts the fight back on their side. Uh, for the good guys and really can turn the tide of the fight. So maybe maybe that helps them win and you decide, well, or you could say if they're able to secure 10 victory points in this battle, then the, they don't lose. If they secure 15, then they win, you know, that sort of thing. So that way you can divide it up and have the have the big massive battle almost work like, I mean, really uh, like, uh, like a dungeon where you, you're going to go to the next thing and do that. There's an encounter there. And you go to the thing after that, and there's an encounter there, you know, with maybe, uh, you know, a, a smaller, you know, I say small, like 10 to 15, mass battle in between that, where you get a, a horde coming over trying to trying to stop him or trying to beat him down or something. I, I think it was 3rd Edition's Complete Warrior. Was it 3rd that did? I thought it was 3rd or 3.5. It was either 3 or 3.5. Yeah. I, I, like, as you started talking about it, like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing that system and thinking it was really cool. I you know what? It was it was 3, because one of the modules, there was a module about the Red Hand of Doom or something like that that I used to love, and I I don't know where that went, but uh, it, it used the victory point system, and that was 3.0. Yeah, um, another one, the uh, Campaign Sourcebook and Catacomb Guide out of 2nd Edition. Even though the Catacomb section isn't necessarily that good, there's some, there's a couple of bits on mass combat in the Campaign Sourcebook half of the booklet, and if you can get your hands on it, it actually has a lot of general DM tips as well. That's really good, and it's an older book because it's 2nd Edition, but right. you can get your hands on it, it's a great read. So I also think um, another fun point that you can do with the mass combat is as you have them going about doing whatever their objectives are, possibly have effects come into play from something outside the player's control. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're fighting, let's say, a group of elite bugbears in the middle of the combat, 
maybe on one round have like a catapult rock crash down either in the battle or near the battle. You could do it near just to have the player remind the players that there is a battle raging on. Yeah. Possibly have it like in the middle of the battle and have like somebody get clipped by it or an enemy get taken out and just be like, oh, right. Catapults. We got to get on that. Right. Um, and you can have magical effects flying around. Um, fun story. The role of the dungeon master originally came about in fantasy tabletop wargaming with miniatures when they started doing the heavy fantasy stuff where it got to the point where a player saying, oh, I have a legion of invisible flying Pegasus cavalry coming around to flank you <laughs> was actually a realistic concern because somebody could put together an army that had Pegasus cavalry and then use mass invisibility on them. And it's not like you can just tell your opponent where they are and they just have to trust you. Right. So they had to have a third party come in to become the rules adjudicator. And that when tabletop wargaming evolved into the role playing that we know today, that role of the judge evolved into the dungeon master. And there's a little history lesson for you there, fellas. Also, if Ladies you and gentlemen, also, if you want to have something fun in a mass combat, try flanking your party with invisible Pegasus cavalry. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was actually another point I wanted to bring up is to take, if you're doing fantasy and I know that, you know, obviously mass combat is not restricted to fantasy, but we right. do talk a lot about fantasy, about Dungeons and Dragons. It's what we're playing. It's what the most popular game system is. But this does work for other things is utilize the setting, what they have. If you have things like in Dungeons and Dragons fantasy, you have mass invisibility. You have hallucinatory terrain. You have call lightning. Yep. You use these these magical effects to really alter the field of battle and really make the players realize that we're not just fighting like a medieval, you know, peasants clashing against peasants. We're actually fighting in this epic fantasy world. Right. Uh, Dragonlance used that with dragons almost being like fighter jets, you know, strafing and dogfighting in the skies above. Um, I know the Order of the Stick webcomic has an excellent story arc where there's a siege on a city and, all, and the different magical effects that come into play to try to go back and forth and sway the tide of the battle in their favor, like launching elementals out of catapults yeah. and having invisible flying units. Yeah, uh, yeah, certainly different ways to think of, uh, you know, even like modern... Uh, sort of deals like like artillery. So you're gonna have artillery. Obviously, you know mages make good artillery, but you know what else makes a really good artillery? Really good artillery. Hill giants with boulders. Yep. You got a contingent like ten hill giants just throwing boulders at stuff. Just just they're not trying to hit anything specific. They're just being artillery. Those are things to think about. Um, I'm gonna give that halfling thief greater invisibility and wand of magic missiles, and you're gonna play like a sniper. You're gonna go find officers and take them out. Yep. And using modern inspiration with fantasy uh, options makes for a really memorable game. No, it certainly does. It certainly does. Not only do we have those snipers, but we're also hunting the enemy snipers. You've got med field medics running around with a sanctuary spell and a wand of cure light wounds. Right. Um, and then you, when you get into sci-fi, you can do the same rough ideas. Yeah, a lot of times you're going to find for sci-fi, the mass battles will usually be like aerial battles. Or, I guess, space battles, really. Or it's space fighters and that sort right. of thing. You know, I mean, not that you don't, you're not going to have, uh, you know, mass combat, you know, you know, with troops on the ground or anything like that. But normally when that, that's, that's more like, even in today's world, it's not really mass so much as it's like strike combat. 
Right. You send a team to try to find get a position. You send teams out, that sort of thing. Um, not that I'm some sort of military expert, but that's just what I see in movies. So I just assume it's right. I think I think it'd be really cool to play through something like uh, Empire Strikes Back, the Battle of Hoth, yep. like where you have kind of that massive ground battle outside. With, with air support and such. Yeah. And then as the base falls, you have your PCs like in the base trying to escape as stormtroopers are coming in. I think that could be for a really cool set piece for a game. Yeah, definitely. Which is also, I think, I don't know if we still need to cover this, but uh, having your players lose is one we'll have to cover in an upcoming mm. episode. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, even you can uh, bring up the superhero genre with that. So like... Uh, the uh, really the either of the Avengers movies those are mass combats if there ever was one and it's interesting because this isn't big army versus big army this is you know a dozen you know a handful or a dozen of heroes versus a massive army Let, let's be honest it's an adventuring party versus an army exactly so I mean take it take inspiration from that you know if you got your guys up to you know I'd say probably a level eight minimum but you know higher than that throw them in a mass combat where they have to fight the army. You know, because you can throw them up against an army of chumps like you can have. They can fight an army of orcs at level 10, 11, and the orcs may eventually wear them down. But the the party also has a chance of cutting through the the orcs. Yeah, the party's going to do great. You're likely going to have at least one caster who can do some some area effect damage. So they're going to be mopping those down. You're probably going to have your yeah, you're going to have a rogue. Uh, you know, um, going around, you know, cutting down people left and right. You're going to have a, a a ranger probably sniping at people, taking oh, out right. leaders, yeah, that sort of thing. And you're going to have your you know your big uh, your big warriors in the middle of stuff, just smashing and and uh, destroying things. And Agent Coulson, Agent Coulson, right? <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, that's certainly inspiration that you can take from that. And and even in uh, the Avengers, I, I guess suppose suppose the first one more than the second one, they had specialty troops. They had the big massive worms that were like carriers, I guess. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. If you wanted to do like a very direct interpretation of that, instead of using orcs, use kobolds. Yeah. And then have like some like some baby dragons in there. You know what I mean? You know, as kind of like the aerial giant worms. Like not a lot of them, obviously. You know. And maybe, and maybe a couple like Drake chariots. Yeah, something like, like those air yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so you can you know you can mix it up with some kobolds and a few like you know wormlings kind of thing. You know, and you know, baby dragon or two to kind of like mix up the air support with the giant riders and stuff. And exactly. then you got your I mean, PC party and. And actually, for the analogy there, um, spoilers if anybody hasn't seen Avengers yet, uh, you know, they had... Plug your ears, people. They had different people doing different objectives. Yeah. You're like, Black yes. Widow, figure out how to close the portal. Thor, bottleneck them. Hulk, keep them off balance. Iron Man, contain them. You know, and then later, the miss- deal with the missile. So they had those objectives going around to, to earn those hero points to win the battle. Exactly. Yeah, and they all they all had those different uh, objectives that they were doing, um, and you can modify any of these battles really with anything. Like you brought up those kobolds, you know, maybe you are going up against you know a massive Draco style army, you know, so you have all your kobolds, and uh, Fifth has winged kobolds and everything too, you know. But maybe you throw uh, you throw uh, a dragonkin in there. You know, you've got like every once in a while, you got like a dragonkin, I don't know, warlock or something who'll blast the group down. You know, you can create, have your massive mass stuff and then have like your lieutenants and then like 
you're you're slightly bigger than lieutenants, you know? Mini boss. Like your little mini boss. Like you can have those you can have those uh uh in there, you know. I mean that's that's something you can throw in a mass battle, and then maybe every mini boss is like worth a victory point. You know, again, you know, you, you just a handful of them. So that doesn't like like so it doesn't sway the battle, killing all the mini bosses, but it certainly helps. Yeah. Because cause think about it, you know, if you go with the standard sort of setup, your your typical soldier, just 5th edition f- typical soldier, has that 16 AC, 5 hit points, right? And that's that's what they've got, I, I, if I believe, if I remember correctly. The guard has something like that, right? So we'll go with, with the same So we'll go with that. So you have this army of things, maybe uh, orcs. Now, orcs have like almost no AC, but they have a ton of hit points. They got like 30. So they're going to they're gonna mop these guys up pretty good. But you know what else is going to mop them up? They're troll buddies that they brought with them to help them fight up, fight this. You, you throw 30 of those dudes up against a troll, yeah, they might eventually kill it, but that troll is going to wreck that unit. Send your player characters after them. Player PCs can take on a troll. You know? And they might even take a few of the orcs along take with them. Take some of the orcs along with them. Um, actually, I had another idea that came up just because I was kind of thinking of styling the Avengers battle after and doing like it a might mass not be effect. 30. I may be wrong on that. And that's going to bug me until I check. Uh, I think I think points. orcs have like an AC of 13, but I think, yeah, like 25, 28 hit points. Uh, but there was another objective that they fulfilled that we haven't really touched on, at least for Avengers, and that was they evacuated the civilians. Yes. Non-combatants can add a nice edge, a nice twist. Um, yeah. Are your parties the good guys? Are they going to try to get these people out of the out of the line of fire? Are they going to just try to hold the line because they know that you know the the women and children are behind them, even though. A lot of the fantasy stuff nowadays is very much, you know, the women, if they can fight, are right up on the front lines as well. But yeah. the non-combatants are, are still have to be protected. Yeah, and that's a good point. So your, your mass combat, uh, the settings can be different. So sure, you might have mass combat out in a field, which is force versus force, okay? Uh, or you might have a mass combat in the middle of a city that's trying to be evacuated, such as you mentioned there. In Avengers, it's a city block. You know, or a few blocks, I figure. You know, that sort of thing where it's... Um, three blocks. Was it three blocks? Yeah. Anything gets more than three blocks out, you turn it back, you turn it to ash. And, uh, um, you know, you change your settings up. And in, in some instances, maybe the city's already taken, but you are holding fortified positions. Like you're in the last defensive layer of the city. The army has moved in, but you're still in a defensive spot. And now you're just fighting to try to take other fortified spots back over, you know, kind of that, that pick and choose sort of deal. You know, maybe switch up your settings that these are taking place in. And sometimes that could be just as simple as instead of they're in a field, they're at a river. And there's, there's a bridge, and there's towers on each side. Your side controls one tower. They control another tower, you know, and now you have to try to get across that bridge, you know. Or knock um, down the enemy's tower. Or knock down the enemy tower, or if maybe you want to destroy the bridge, however you do it. Um, another option, this was from my, uh, my infamous solo Warhammer game that I planned out but never got to complete. The big climax was going to be an attack on the town, mm-hmm. and so they were holding the walls against an oncoming force which gives the defenders an advantage because we have fortified positions, elevation, walls, but we're outnumbered. Right. And they're coming in with siege weaponry. We need to figure out how we can hold the line still. Right. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I think it's uh, really important to make sure you're picking and choosing your settings for the mass combats. Don't always just do it in a field. In fact, I would kind of recommend trying to avoid being in the middle of a field. Yeah. I think if it's... Up yeah. Um, I think if, you know, when it comes to, like, doing fantasy, you know, style mass combats... I think if your terrain isn't constantly changing due to the magic that's being thrown into it, then you're not doing it honors. You know what I mean? Like there should be iron walls and walls of forces and, you know, you know, exactly. Just like, you know, like hellfire raining down from the sky, you know, like everything is going to be just changed. Like depending, I mean, obviously there can be limitations on how much wizardry there is on either side, or maybe there is no wizardry, but I would like to see at least a couple of wizards on both sides of a fairly decent level throwing some stuff around, you know, walls of force, walls of iron, you know, um, you know, even some druids or, you know, um, clerics up in there can maybe be changing some stuff. You know, you got, you know, thorn whips going all over the place. You got, again, you know, meteors falling from the sky. You got, you know, invisible Six troops. Storms. Yeah, you, got, you just got, you know, you know, summoned creatures, summoned elementals, you know, nothing like summoning something behind enemy lines. Bodies everywhere. Yeah, dead bodies everywhere. Reminds me of a corn song. Um, <laughs> uh, and then also, um, Ed mentioned this really early on. It was funny because I was going to mention it, and then he kind of jumped in and, and kind of hit the topic. But um, another thing is, though you're in your head, a lot of these mass combats is going to be like, well, it's you know A versus B, and we're going to go till one of them loses. Yeah. Really, there should be, in my opinion, and maybe this is just because I'm like a, a you know an X forty K guy. There should be an objective. You know what I mean? Whether it's sieging the city or defending the city or whatever's going on, but it shouldn't just be force A versus, you know, colliding with force B and going until one of those forces is completely, you know, annihilated. I think there should be an objective, you know, depending on what you want to do, you know, again, easy ones is, you know, some sort of siege situation, which also introduces siege weaponry and siege tools, not just, you know, you know, being creative with magic, but also like, okay, we got catapults and we got ladders that we got to bring along. So you got to have dudes that are carrying ladders to put up on the walls and this, that, and the other thing, but um, but having an objective and by completing those objectives, you can win, not necessarily by completely annihilating the other side. You know, even if it is two armies meeting in a field, maybe there's maybe one of them is there to. Um, capture a treasure and the other one is there to defend the people that have already, you know, that are on their side that got cut off from the rest of the army that have already, you know, technically captured that treasure. So, you know, or you're one army's there to reinforce someone at a, you know, at another, you know, a, a contingent at a fort, you know, this other army shows up to try to take that fort, but just have something going on, just have some sort of objective, you know, have, have a win condition other than total annihilation. I think this also comes back to where we've talked about earlier with playing your antagonists or your monsters intelligently. Yeah, exactly. They have something that they want. Yeah, yeah there are goals and objectives. Well, I mean, most I mean, most combat, mass combats you're going to have that. The reason there's a mass combat is because something someone wants something. Right, exactly. And I'm just saying to make sure that that's included because yeah. you know, like in theory, you know, obviously there's going to be a mass combat for a reason. Yeah. In a game, it's easy to just throw together a mass combat. Yeah. Reason? What's the mass going combat? To be a That's the reason. Keep that reason in mind yeah. as to when their actions. The yeah. If their goal is this is our holy city and we will take it back, then they're not going to attack with massive fireballs that are leveling these ancient holy structures. They're going to try to go in with ground troops and secure them without damaging them if possible.
know, someone's trying to retake a mine that's full of some sort of unstable material, you know, they're not going to just start shooting fireballs into the mine, but at the same time, whoever can first get control of that mine now has access to that unstable material that can then be turned around and used in the combat. You know, that kind of, obje- you know, taking that objective can turn the tide of battle all by itself. Let's load that rock that explodes too hard into the catapults and send it to the enemy and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. And another thing that I would, I think, when you're when you're thinking of mass combats, and this is this is less about the mechanics behind it, more into the flavor, which is why I think we're kind of going with this yeah. at this point. Uh, remember that not everyone who goes down is dead. You know, think think of wars historically. Like, uh, yeah, okay, so five hit points might take a guy down out of the fight effectively, but he might have just lost a leg. And he's still alive, screaming for someone, you know, to help him, depending on how gritty your game is. You know, if it's if it's PG or something like that, like it's a Lord of the Rings sort of fight, then okay, yeah, you don't really reflect on that sort of thing. And maybe occasionally touch on it, which they did. But Oh no, this entire group of guards got knocked unconscious. Yeah, right. Also but, remember this is a fantasy game. Some of those guys that just died are now new troops. We got skeletons and zombies on the oh, field. Sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, I mean, but that—that's—that's that's certainly flavor. You know, if it's a—if it's a uh, an army of necromancers, the more people that die, the better, because they're just going to raise some more up and just have them go out. Fuel for the fire. The ones they kill, get up and kill. Uh, but the uh, you know, but that's not always going to be the case. In in in. You know, there's always going to be some sort of aftermath, and a lot of people wonder. Well, I mean, you know, going to total annihilation—that's really not what you're going for. You're you're going to win a position. In fact, most fights historically never ended up with two massive armies going at it. It was someone had a massive army and surrounded a place, and there was a siege, and then eventually the people holding that place left. And that's how most of it ever happened. So they're just waiting for you to go away. Um, yeah, okay, that's not very heroic and it's not very fantastic or anything, but keep those things in mind, like, you know, just because you had 500 troops on your side and at the end of it, you know, maybe 30 people were left standing victorious, doesn't mean that the other four, all of the other 470 of those guys are dead, you know, quite a few of them probably are, but most of them are probably just injured, which also brings up another thing is, depending on the tech of your game, um, and S- cycling troops. Uh, uh, no, I wasn't going to get to that. Was um, the thing that actually killed the most troops was infection, was wounds. It wasn't actually getting killed. It was the infections afterwards. That was that was actually what I meant. Was troops getting wounded, taken out? How quickly can they get oh, back see. into yes. the fight? No, you're yeah, you're exa- exactly right. So you might have started the fight with you know 500 guys. At the end of the fight, you've got uh, 350 that are you know still alive, but only maybe 280 of them are combat ready. The other guys are, you have to recover, you know, that sort of, you can think of those sorts of things. Which also in say a fantasy realm becomes, oh, you know, you got stabbed in the shoulder. In real life, you might not fight again just because, you know, nerve damage or whatever. And even if you do, you're not going back out there for a couple weeks. In this case, oh, you were stabbed in the shoulder, cure medium wounds, get your armor back on, get in the game. Yeah, I was going to say, it can come down to, like, uh, we might not have the larger fighting force, but we have a very large cleric force. So everyone that goes down, we drag off the field, we heal them back up, and they're back on the field in ten minutes. You lost a leg? Regenerate. We're fighting ma- We're fighting massive hordes of orcs. They outnumber us, you know, uh, 20 to 1, but we, we keep... But we have a troop of we, we are, We're losing, we're maybe losing some of the battles, but we're winning the war because we have so many goddamn clerics on our side. Yeah, exactly. All, you know, most of our guys are fine after the end of every battle, mm-hmm. you know. 
So things to keep in mind. Yeah. Things to keep in mind. Yep. Lots of options for mass combat. We could probably go on forever on this one. We could, um, but I think we are just about to the point where we should be wrapping up. Is there any final thoughts that anybody wants to give? Why are you looking at me? Just because I did the Boston Bare Knuckle thing in the beginning? Come on now, it was a mistake. Stay oh. alert, stay alive. I'll, I'll give a quick one. Um, mass combat is something that requires preparation, requires planning. It gives you an awesome set piece. It's a great place to build your climax of the game. Build up to this. Let everybody you know go wild. There's this huge battle, and then you can take a break. Or the next phase of the game starts with, and now after the battle is done, how does the world move on? Yeah. So you've got some great options there. Yeah, and don't be afraid of it. Yeah. So we're going to call. So we're going to call that the show for now. Um, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, or you want to tell us stories about how your mass combats may have gone or tips on how to run mass combat, definitely feel free to get in touch with us. We have our message boards available at GameMasterStudios.ProBoards.com. We are on Twitter at GMS Studios and are available on Facebook to like, comment, and subscribe. We do like to interact with our fans answer questions, give tips, and just hear how your games are going in general. So we are back with new material every week, and we will see you the next time that we gather in the studio.